You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 138. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today I'm going to be busting some myths. You know them, you've probably heard them, you've probably seen them on social media platforms. There's a lot of myths out there in terms of weightlifting. And now, don't get me wrong, I feel like we are in a much more well-educated, better position today than maybe we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. But there's still a lot of weightlifting myths out there, and especially a lot of weightlifting myths around females lifting weights. And so my intention today is to have a conversation about some of the most common weightlifting myths that I that I hear and talk through them. Because a lot of times, uh, these things are nuanced, and it's important to understand a little bit of the nuance. So we're going to dive in that together today. Now, before we dive into all about busting these myths. I want to share with you that I do have a training coming up all on the five things that your workout program must include in order to build muscle and lose fat. Most women who come to me, when I ask them what their goal is, it is some form of the version of, I want to lose fat and, or I want to gain muscle. That is really what creates a a transformation. When you look at before and after pictures, that transformation usually comes from either losing fat or gaining muscle or a combination of those two things. And the problem is a lot of women, the things that they're doing in the gym aren't actually creating that transformation that they want. And they don't even know it because no one's ever taught them the things that they need to look for in a workout plan to help it to be the most effective for their goals. And so that's what I'm going to be teaching in this class. We're going to talk about the five things I'm going to go over five things that your workout program needs to include so that you stop wasting your time. Like you actually, the time that you spend in the gym actually makes a difference. So if this sounds like something that would be helpful for you for reaching your fitness goals, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash workshop and get registered for the workshop and come to class. And I will help you to understand, make it really simple and really easy to understand what you need to include in your workout plan. And it might not be what you actually think it is. So go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash workshop, and I'll see you there. Okay. I have five myths that we are going to go through today. And myth number one is probably the most common. It is the myth that lifting makes you bulky. I feel like this is the myth that will never die. And I totally get it. I get why. And the reason why that it won't die is the very first thing that we're going to have a chat about. And that is what your definition of bulky is. So I think a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, lifting weights doesn't make you bulky. They just like flat out say you're wrong. 
when people have this concern. And that's not what I want to do here today. Um, because I think the most important thing when someone communicates to me, you know, does lifting make you bulky or making a statement, lifting makes me bulky. I would ask the question back, like, what is your definition of bulky? Because everybody has a different definition of what that actually means. And I also think it's really important to know your expectations going into the process. And here's why. If you think that you're going to get bulky when you lift, you will. And not because like necessarily your body has changed, but because what you expect is usually what your brain sees. Our brain is like confirmation bias. Like whatever we think is going to happen is what our brain sees. And I see this a lot with women who go through a reverse diet. So if you don't know what a reverse diet is, it's where you slowly are adding back calories over time based on the feedback from your body in order to increase your metabolic rate after going through a deficit. Now I explained much more in detail in episodes nine, 42, and 114. So if that's a new term for you, definitely go back and listen to those episodes. But we see this a lot with women as they're going through a reverse. They are scared about regaining weight. They're scared about losing the progress that they've made during their deficit. And so then when they look at the mirror, that's what they see. And it's one of the reasons it's so important to take the quantitative data, the measurements, the scale weight, the progress pictures, be able to take that quantitative data to help us to break away from some of the emotional decisions that a lot of women make. Okay. Because the qualitative data, the more like, how do you feel can really easily lie. And so a lot of women will start going through a reverse and in their head, they've always equated adding food with getting fat. And so they'll go through a reverse and they're adding food and they're adding calories. And so their brain automatically thinks, well, we must be gaining, we must be gaining fat. We must be getting fatter. And so then they feel fluffy and they feel like they're getting bigger and they look in the mirror and they're like, I look totally different. And then that's where the quantitative data comes in where we say, okay, well, what's your measurements? What's your weight? What are your progress pictures doing? And they look at those, those data points and they recognize that, yeah, their brain says that they've gained weight. Their brain says that they're fluffy. They really do feel fluffy, but none of that qualitative data actually reflects that change. And that's because they expected to feel fluffy. They expected to gain weight. And so that is their brain found evidence that that was what was going through. So coming back to this myth of lifting makes you bulky. If you think that you're going to get bulky and you're afraid of getting bulky when you go and lift, you probably will. Your brain will look for evidence that you are getting bulky. Whether or not that's actually the case, you will feel like you're getting bulky. And that's when we start feeling, having women say, oh, I feel fluffy or I feel bigger. or I feel like I feel these things. And it's why it's so important that in addition to like the way that you feel that we actually have quantitative data to actually assess if that's actually the case. Now, I want to go back to the question that I asked is like, what is your definition of bulky? Because here's, here's the truth. For many of you who are listening, the physique that you want requires you to build more muscle than you currently have. And the problem is that so many women are trying to achieve their goal physique through only through cutting, 
only through fat loss. But you cannot cut to what is not there. And so even if you are the best person cutting and you lose a ton of fat, if you have not taken the time to actually build the muscle, when you cut, it isn't going to magically be there. And my guess is that you actually probably have less muscle on your body than you think you do. Most women overestimate the amount of muscle that they think they have on their body. And that's okay. But recognize that in order to get to the physique that you want, it will likely take building more muscle than you currently have on your body frame. And you cannot just cut, cut, cut in order to get there. It won't, it won't actually get you there because you have to have taken the time to build the muscle. So building muscle, lifting, it does add mass. Okay. That's, you're going to be adding muscle mass. So if you think that if, if to you getting bulky means adding any mass to your body, then yeah, lifting makes you bulky. (laughs) Okay. So you have like, we, you got to add mass. It can't magically go somewhere. It like actually has to be added to your muscles. And at the same time, when you add five pounds of muscle, it looks very different than adding five pounds of fat. You'll often hear people say muscle weighs more than fat, which is not actually true because a pound of fat is the same as a pound of muscle. They weigh the same. They're both a pound. But what is different is the density of the tissue. So five pounds of fat is a much larger volume than five pounds of muscle. Five pounds of muscle is a much denser tissue, but it is still tissue, still present. And will it still add mass? Yes. Now, so this, I've had this happen a couple times actually with clients where they're like, I'm going through reverse or I'm in maintenance and my jeans are starting to feel tight. Like I'm doing something wrong. It's funny how we always default to like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. My jeans feel tight. Like what's going on here? And, you know, we tease out some of the data that they share with me. And in in the end, I'm like, well, you're gaining muscle. You're gaining muscle. Like, where did you think that muscle was going to go? It had to go somewhere. So yeah, your jeans are, are feeling a little tight because now you are developing some quadriceps. That doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means you need new genes and having that expectation, that understanding, if you want to be like stick skinny and you want to stay stick skinny, don't put on muscle because it does need to go somewhere. And I find, especially with women who don't have like any muscle on their body or very little muscle on their body, when you go into building or you go into weightlifting, it's going to change the shape of your body. That's kind of the point. That's kind of part of the process. But if you aren't expecting that and you aren't ready for that, then yeah, you're going to get started in the process. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting bulky. My pants are getting tight. I'm out. When in actuality, that's the time to be like, yes, this is working. My pants are getting tight. I'm adding muscle. Let me get some new pants that are going to fit my new quads. (laughs) That's, that's where, that's where I go. It's like these pants don't fit me anymore because my quads are getting too big for these pants. And I need to just get some new pants to fit my quads. Not the other way around. I don't need to reduce my quads to fit in the pants. No, no, no. I just get new pants. And so when I had the conversation with this woman, uh, with this client that I'm thinking about, uh, she had kind of a light bulb moment and she was like, oh, 
I just need to go get some new pants that actually fit my legs now. And she got some new pants and she like posted a picture and she's like, ah, I, like, I look amazing. I look, I, you know, I look like I want to look. She just had to get over the hump of getting new jeans because the jeans were made for people who didn't have muscle. Um, and so anyway, circling back around, I don't ever want to dismiss anyone who says that lifting makes you bulky because many of women have had that experience where they like add muscle mass and it makes them bigger in a way, but recognize that this is a two pronged approach that most of you listening need to do two things. You need to gain muscle and lose fat. And so most women default to losing the fat first. And what would happen if you defaulted to gaining the muscle first and then losing the fat, then stripping away the fat? Because they both need to happen. Uh, And so often we spend so much time thinking about fat loss and not nearly enough time thinking about adding, adding the muscle. Okay, myth number two. Thinking that you can gauge how good your workout is based off of your heart rate and how much you sweat. And I totally get it because I was there. (laughs) The more sweat I had pouring off of me, the higher my heart rate was during a workout class, the better it was, the better a workout it was. Like it gave me the illusion that it was better. And this was like my group fitness days was like, let's see how hard we, high we can get the heart rate. Let's like see how much I can sweat and how tired I am at the end of class. And then that is like, that's a good class. In fact, I remember like, I couldn't even stand yoga. I was like, who would do yoga? Like you don't even sweat during yoga. It's kind of like a waste. <laughs> that was, that was me like 10 years ago. Like who would do, who would do yoga? It's like a total waste. What my 10 years ago, younger self didn't really understand is that a good workout has nothing to do with your heart rate and how much you sweat. It has to do with the question of, is it structured for what you want? A good workout is one that is structured for what you want to achieve. So is yoga a good workout? It depends. Is your goal mind-body connection? Is your goal going inward? Is your goal getting better at flexibility and holding positions? If those are your goals, yoga is a fabulous workout. If your goal is to build muscle, yoga isn't a great workout. Okay. It's not that yoga is bad, a bad workout or a good workout. It's like, it depends on what your goals are. And so it's the truth with all the other types of workouts, just how high you get your heart rate and just how much you sweat doesn't really matter. The question is, is this workout structured to create the results that I want? And a lot of women are walking around feeling like they got a really good workout because they sweat a lot during the workout. And maybe that actually is a good workout because I'm going to actually distinguish between something right here. A lot of people use these words, um, use the word workout. And I actually want to define my definition of workout and how it differs from training. So working out is anything that you do to like move your body. A workout is like you move your body in some form, which is very different from training, where training is movement that is done with a specific purpose in mind. Okay, athletes train because their their workouts are all created 
to have a certain result, to run faster, to be stronger, to have a uh, faster acceleration, right? Like all of their workouts are structured very specifically to have a certain result happen. That's why it's a training program, which is different from a workout program. A workout program is like just moving your body. There's nothing wrong with a workout program. There's a lot of just inherent benefits to moving your body. There's nothing wrong with that. And if that's where you're at and you're like, no, I just want to move my body, Amber, great. There's a lot of workouts that will do that for you. will get you to move your body. But if you want a certain adaptation, if you want a certain result, if you want to lose weight, if you want to add muscle, if you want to actually have a transformation picture, you need a training plan that aligns with that result that you want. So stop gauging how good your workout is based off of how high your heart rate is and how much you sweat. It actually doesn't give you a whole lot of information. And instead, focus on making sure that your training is actually structured for the results that you want. Okay, myth number three. More is better. There are two extremes, really, when it comes to training. Those people who undertrain and those who overtrain. And I find more and more people are going to the extreme of overtraining, especially as they age, because recognize that the older you get, the longer recovery takes. It takes your body longer to recover if you are 60 years old than when you're 20 years old. Okay, recovery takes longer as you age. And so what happens is as people age, they kind of stop taking in that into account and they, you think that you can do the same things at age 40 that you did at age 20 and then you get in trouble and then you like can't walk the next day, right? Uh, because your body is not the same at age 40 as it was at age 20 and recovery takes longer. And here's the rub. If you aren't actually recovering fully, then you're actually getting weaker. Okay. If you are not recovering, if you're not allowing your body to recover fully, then instead of getting stronger, you're actually getting weaker. Most of us know that we shouldn't work out seven days a week, right? Most of us know inherently that like working out seven days a week for like weeks on end is a recipe for disaster, We need to have some sort of rest in there. But there are plenty of people who are working out six days a week or five days a week who are actually still overtraining. And uh, it's not, and here's what, here's the thing that's really important. I can't just sit here and say, you need to have, everybody should have three rest days or two rest days or one rest day because that's not how it works. It's different based off of your age, your ability to recover, the stress in your workouts, the stress in other areas of your life. Okay. But there are plenty of people who are working out five days a week who are overtraining and it, because more is not better. More is just more. Actually, for many of my powerlifting training, I actually trained the max I trained when I was doing powerlifting was four days a week. And there was a period of time that I only trained for three days a week. So that's three days a week that I was training and I was resting, having rest days for four days a week. Okay. More is not better. More is just more. 
can and and we have to be we have to be aware of that of maximizing the amount of effort that and the stress that we're putting on the body but then allowing the body to recover because the recovery time is actually when you get stronger so what i would love for your takeaway to be from this is for you to be more concerned with the quality of your workouts and actually training the adaptation you want to occur rather than the quantity or the number of workouts. Be more concerned with the quality and making sure that every workout that you do is actually aligned with the goals that you have set, is actually training what you want to occur, rather than just thinking that like the solution is just to add more workouts. It's not working, I'm not transforming, add more, do more. It doesn't work. And many people have gone to the cycle where I've worked with women who are working out six days a week, sometimes two a days, you know, they're exercising nine, 10, 11, 12, 15 hours a week. And they're confused as to why it's not working. Well, the reason is, is because more is not better. In fact, more can be one of the most damaging things that you can do because instead of allowing your body time to recover and getting stronger, you're actually slowly getting weaker over time. Okay. So more is not better. Better is better. All right. Myth number four. Oh, this is a fun one. Heavy weights means barbells. Okay. We kind of had this idea. People throw around this term a lot. You need to lift heavy weights. Women need to lift heavy weights. And then nobody explains what heavy weights means. Like, what does that even mean? Because heavy, you know this, it's a relative term, right? Heavy is relative. It's just like spicy. I am a wimp with spice. I will eat something to be like, whoa, that's super spicy. And um, my sister will be like, what you talking about? That is not spicy at all. What are you talking about? Okay. So to me, it's spicy. To her, it is not spicy at all. And that's because spicy is relative. Heavy is also relative. So what is heavy for me may not be heavy for you. And what is heavy for you may not be heavy for me. So heavy, when we talk about lifting heavy, it simply means that it is challenging for you to complete the designated reps and sets. That's it. Is it challenging for you to complete the designated reps and sets? If so, you are lifting heavy. The goal when you're training is to be able to get to the last rep and complete it with good form, but it's hard. It's a struggle. You don't really want to do that last rep. That's, that's the goal. That means that you're lifting heavy. And if that's you bicep curling a 10 pound, you know, dumbbell, then that is heavy for you. Some people, it may be a 10 pound dumbbell. Some people, it may be a 50 pound dumbbell, right? But it doesn't really matter. Heavy is relative to the person who is lifting it, which is why you're starting to see why a workout that provides a designated weight for you is not ideal because what's heavy for me may be impossible for you and vice versa. So when a workout says you should be lifting a 10 pound weight, just know that 
That's not really ideal because 10 pounds may not be heavy for you, or it may be way too heavy for you. And we always want to be customizing our weight selection based off of what you can do and what your body can do. So barbells are awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love me some barbells. I want to get more women lifting barbells. And honestly, they're a great way to keep increasing the weight, especially for compound lifts, because you can, you can continue to increase that weight to infinity, essentially. Um, whereas if you're trying to like, for example, a squat, you're trying to squat dumbbells, there's likely an amount of dumbbells that you're going to be able to like heft and get onto your back and hold and like keep in position. You're going to be kind of limited with how high you can take the weight. Whereas with a barbell, the, the limitation is based off of your strength. I was like, I go back to high school chemistry. Do you guys remember the limiting reagent in chemistry? I use that term like all the time. So the limiting reagent when you are lifting dumbbells is often, well, the amount heavy of, how heavy of dumbbells can you get? How can you wield them? How can you get them into place? That's what's limiting the amount, how heavy you can go. Whereas with a barbell, the limiting reagent is going to be how strong you are because we can put as much weight on the bar as you, as you, as you can lift. Um, but as much as I love barbells and as much as I would love to get more women lifting barbells, it is not the only way to lift heavy. Heavy is relative. It means you are challenging yourself. You're getting to the point where it's hard if you don't get to the point where it's hard and like you have to take a break, it kills me. These people who like go from exercise to exercise with like no break. If, if you don't like have to take a break afterwards, cause you're like tired and you like can't do any more reps, you're probably not lifting heavy enough. You probably need to be challenging your body a little bit more. Um, because let me tell you when I lift heavy, the thing I want to do after I finish the lift is like sit my butt down and rest. If you don't have that desire to like sit down and rest, you're not tired. There's probably more in the tank. We probably need to be pushing more and, and, uh, you know, getting more out of the tank because you got more in you. Okay. Last one is the myth that abs are made in the kitchen. Now hear me out on this one. Abs maybe, and people say this because they are trying to make the case that nutrition is really important. Like if you want to have abs, then your nutrition is really important because abs are made in the kitchen. And I get that, but I want to tweak that a little bit because I don't think it's actually accurate, an accurate reflection of what it takes to get abs. Um, Abs are maybe uncovered in the kitchen, but they are made in the gym. You, again, we talked about this in the first myth that you cannot cut to what is not there. And if you haven't actually taken time to build your abs, when you cut, it's going to be hard to see them. And I actually talk about this a lot in episode 62, where I talk about how I got abs and how you can get abs too. And I, and I share my experience that when I first wanted to get abs, I had to get down to like 16, 17% body fat. I had to lose quite a bit of body fat in order to visibly see abs. Then fast forward a couple of years where I'd done a lot more compound lifting. I don't really train abs. I just lift heavy barbells, which trains your abs very nicely if you do it right. So 
I, you know, a couple years of compound lifting, lots of heavy squats, lots of heavy deadlifts, heavy bench, uh, you know, just lots of heavy work, overhead press, things like that. I built up my abdominals more. And the next time I wanted to get more visible abs, I only had to cut to around like 20% body fat. I didn't have to get down to 16 to see it because I actually had taken the time to build up my abs so you could see them without having to get super, super, super lean. And I, you know, I hover right now between 20, 22% body fat. And you can, you can see abs you know, at least sort of in that range. And that is because I've taken the time to actually build my abs. So abs are not made in the kitchen. They may be uncovered in the kitchen, right? You're stripping off the fat to be able to see the abs, but they are made in the gym. The abs are just like any other muscle group. We can build them up. And the more you build up the abs, the higher a body fat percentage you can stay and remain and still see visible abs not having to cut down to, you know, 15, 16% body fat, which kind of sucks by the way, to to try and get that lean. Okay. So abs are uncovered in the kitchen, but they are made in the gym. So those are my, those are the five myths for you that I busted today. Myth number one, lifting makes you bulky. Myth number two, you can gauge how good your workout is based off of your heart rate and how much you sweat. Myth number three, more is better. Myth number four, heavy weights means barbells. And number five, abs are made in the kitchen. So hopefully this kind of shed a little bit of light on some of those myths. Hopefully, you know, once we start teaching you, you can teach your family members and your friends and, you know, other people on social media that some of these things that keep getting propagated aren't actually true and that there's a lot more nuanced nuance when it comes to some of these things and helping women to understand and start to embrace weightlifting and include it as a part of their training plan is one of my biggest goals. It's something that I love to do. And so if you're wondering more about how to make sure when you go into the gym that you're actually training, that you're not wasting your time, there are five things that your workout needs to include, especially if you are someone who is looking to lose fat and or gain muscle. Okay. There are five things that you got to like check these off. Does my workout include this? Does my workout include this? Does my workout include this? And I'm going to share those with you in a free workshop. So if you want to learn those five things and make sure that your workouts are actually aligned with the goals that you have set for yourself, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash workshop. It's free. Come get signed up. Come hang out with me in class and you'll walk away with uh, an assurance of either. Yeah, my workouts are totally aligned or, Hey, there's some things that I can do to fix these so that I'm not wasting time when I go to the gym or when I work out at home. So I'd love to see you in class. It's bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash workshop. And we'll also link all of that up in the show notes, which will be at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash one, three, eight, because this is episode number 138. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. If you loved it, will you do me a a favor and just take five minutes of your time and leave a rating and review on iTunes? It really makes a difference for the podcast. It really helps um, us to get more 
eyes, eyeballs on it and for iTunes to see, hey, this is something that people enjoy. So thank you for those of you who have taken the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you haven't yet, please take, you know, it takes like two, three, maybe four minutes of your time to do it. And it really is a great way to say thank you for all the free content that we put out here on the podcast. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.